The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The Human Toll of North China's Historic Floods For residents in rural parts of northern China, the scale of the impact of the historic flooding on their lives and livelihoods cannot be easily explained. From missing loved ones to tales of survival, here are some of their stories. Published in Sixth Tone, written by Yang Taini, read to you by Cliff Larson. Wang Jianhu had been a driving instructor in Beijing Haidian District for the past 10 years. Every day at 6 a.m., he begins his 30-minute commute from his home in the rural district of Mentoko to the capital's richest district to teach his students, arriving back at home at 10 p.m. He was a star instructor at his driving school, with many students wanting him, so his schedule was always full. His wife, surnamed Zhang, tells Sixth Tone. In the past week, their home has attracted national and even international attention. Images showing floodwater almost completely submerging a two-story high paifang, or village entrance gate, in Mengtouko went viral, making the scale of the disaster that has hit Beijing and surrounding provinces. Wang only took one day off every year, the first day of Spring Festival, when there would be no students. The only other time he took a longer holiday was when his father-in-law passed away. According to Wang's sister, it was the longest rest he had taken in ten years. Married for over 20 years, the couple have a daughter, Wang Jingyi, 22 years old. She's been studying sports journalism at Beijing Sport University, one of the country's leading sport universities, after securing several scholarships. Wang was supposed to graduate next year. Her plan was to join the civil service. She had been studying hard over the past few weeks of the summer vacation in preparation for the highly competitive civil service exams, usually at the university library. Several state-run companies already showed interest in hiring her once she graduated, according to Zhang. She understood our family's financial difficulties at a very young age and was taking on many part-time jobs to support herself, says Zhang. She has barely asked us for money since she entered university. On the morning of July 31st, a Monday, both father and daughter were supposed to head off to the city center. However, heavy rainstorms meant that Wang Jianhu's driving classes that day were canceled. With her father at home, Wang Jingyi then also decided to stay at home to make it an extended weekend of family time. At that point, they did not know the rain battering down was the most the capital had ever seen 
in more than a century. As the floods came, they sprang into action, fortifying their house, a self-built unit with both front and backyard. The last thing Zhang remembers is seeing her husband stacking bricks in front of their entrance gate to stop the fast-flowing water from rushing in. And of her daughter, what Zhang remembers is seeing her trying to shut the door to their backyard. We first saw a gentle stream of water flowing down towards us on the street, Zhang recalls. Suddenly there came a huge wave, five meters tall, and roaring at us like a monster. In a flash, the water swept both her husband and her daughter away. Zhang was spared as she was inside the house. For the past week, Zhang has been searching for them with the help of other villagers. They've tried to analyze the flow of the floods that tore through their village that day. In an attempt to find out where her husband and daughter may have gone, to no avail. Zhang has asked local police several times for information, but nothing. So far, officials have confirmed four deaths and 13 people missing in Mantoko, with identities still being verified. Zhang is not sure if her husband or her daughter are included in the two figures. Her relatives have forced her to stay with them because they fear that she will kill herself. Where are my husband? And where's my daughter? Can you tell me? She asks. Lives Dashed For Beijing's urban residents, the villages of Mentoko are popular weekend escapes from the bustling capital life. The Yongding River, the largest to flow through Beijing, zigzags around villages like Xiaowei-dian or Dingjiatan, encircling them on three sides. Several campsites and resorts are dotted around the banks of the river. In recent years, the local government has also set up several designated wetland parks in the nearby area, showcasing the area's mountainous terrain and abundance of orchards, especially popular among Beijing's motorcycle enthusiasts. It was the area's beauty that attracted Tsai Xiang, a 33-year-old Beijinger, to start a campsite near the village of Dingjiatan in late April, the village whose gate is shown in the viral images. Spurred on by the camping craze that emerged in China during the pandemic, Tsai chose the location because of its wetland landscape. He spent hundreds of thousands of yuan on developing the 40 Mu site, the size of four soccer fields. Online reviews of the campsite posted two days before the floods began contained several positive comments praising the area for providing a serene escape from the hustle and bustle of city life. The floods destroyed half of the campsite and all of his equipment. God is cruel, Tsai wrote on his WeChat on August 1st, a day after the floods. In the past week, the floods have swept across northern China, devastating Hebei, Heilongjiang, and Jilin, 
causing dozens of deaths. Some of the hardest hit areas are remote, mountainous villages like those in Mantoko. These villages' unique topography, normally their big selling point, was also what made the flooding so severe, according to Huang Zengcai, chief engineer at China Road Construction North Corporation. His team has been responsible for salvage efforts in the area since last week. Mentoko is actually an arid area that sees little rain most of the time, around 600 millimeters per year, or a third of the annual rainfall in the southern city of Guangzhou. In fact, Yongding River has been notably dry in recent decades. From July 29th to August 1st, the district saw an average rainfall of 471.11 millimeters, local officials say. The village is on high ground and the drainage system is clogged, Huang tells Sixth Tone, explaining that the area is not built to withstand such rainfall. Along the banks of the river, roads and walkways have been hollowed out. What remains are the surface layers of asphalt, as the sand and gravel below have been swept away. These then pile up in places that block vehicles, making rescue and disaster relief more difficult. Many roads that once were a wonderland for motorcyclists are now buried in mud, with gravel and tree branches scattered everywhere. I'm not sure if we can rebuild all this later, says Tsai. We have no money on hand for reconstruction. At 5.30 p.m. on July 29th, two days before the flooding began, Beijing authorities issued the highest red rainstorm alert for several areas, including Mantoko. The alert warned of the risk of disasters such as flash floods and instructed residents to be vigilant. Last year, the city of Beijing called for disaster warnings to be issued at least three hours in advance. Local village officials sent out warnings in residents' WeChat groups the same day, advising them to evacuate. Zhang, whose husband and daughter were swept away, is a member of one of these groups. Though she saw the message, she did not evacuate because she did not think the rainstorm would be that severe. When serious levels of flood water began inundating the villages around 11 a.m. on July 31st, the Beijing authorities had issued another red rainstorm alert for the area, urging residents to stay away from the rivers. At 11 a.m., the Beijing Water Authority issued a red flooding alert for the neighboring Fangshan district, but not Mantoko district. Officials say around 5,000 residents were evacuated from Mantoko as of 2 p.m. on July 31st. According to domestic media reports, local officials in some villages in Mantoko knocked on villagers' doors to urge them to evacuate before the flooding began. Some residents have asked why they were not better prepared for floods. Wang Li, a 35-year-old merchant who sells sports jerseys and shoes, was working in his usual spot 
in downtown Beijing when the floods hit his home village in Mantogo. Despite official warnings, he chose to immediately return home anyway. The floods had knocked out communication base stations all around the district, which meant he was unable to reach his family members. As Wang approached Ding Jiatan's now infamous village entrance gate, his car was already half-submerged in floodwater. Seeing a nearby car with two passengers stuck on the side of the mountain road, Wang abandoned his car. There was no thinking in my mind about which was the right way. I just ran, he says. Wang managed to reach the bridge right next to his house, but the rapid water was threatening to sweep him off his feet if he attempted to cross the bridge. Instead, he crossed the bridge by walking along its elevated handrail, but an old man he had known for years was swept away by the floods. Wang has not seen him since. Unlike Wang, 25-year-old Li Hui was desperate to get out, not in, of Mantogo when the floods hit, but it was already too late. His electricity was cut off, so he decided to eat all the meat and vegetables in his refrigerator before they went off. For the next two days, he ate nothing but hot pot, sharing the meals with his two cats and seven other villagers who were sheltering in his house because their houses had already been destroyed. His childhood friend, Li Xingyue, was not so lucky. Not only was his house destroyed, but he only had dumplings cooked in millet kanji to eat for two days. The only rations that had been salvaged by other villagers staying in the temporary shelter were seven cartons of homemade cigarettes and three boxes of orange soda. They were the grossest dumplings I've had in my entire life, says Li Xingyue. None of them were fully cooked. The villagers were finally rescued by People's Liberation Army soldiers on August 2nd when the floods receded, with Li Hui carrying his two cats in a pink carrier on his back. When Li Xingyue stepped out of the temporary shelter for the first time in two days, he immediately saw two dead bodies in the kitchen of the house next door. Oh, it smelled like rotten fish, he recalls. The soldiers took the villagers to a temporary shelter in the local school. With most of the evacuees being elderly, the Tulis helped them with using the toilet and other tasks. They also stayed up late calling up humanitarian charities to ask for donations of fruit and steamed buns for the elderly villagers. For Wang, a 60-year-old man, the last few days have been quiet. He's the only resident currently staying in his apartment building as his neighbors have either evacuated or seen their homes rendered unlivable. When the floods receded, he began sitting outside his building, counting the number of pigeons flying by. I just envy these flying creatures. They're so free, he says. He's been finding consolation in cigarettes he managed to save from the water. Before the disaster, his village was being developed into an ecological park. In the center of the village, there used to be a wide ditch separating the village into two areas. It had been developed into a 
children's playground, as it was dry most of the time, unless there was serious rain. Village elders had planted greenery and built walkways along the sides of the playground. Now broken off bricks and uprooted trees lined the sides instead. In the last few days, water supply and communications have gradually returned to normal. As more and more residents emerge from their homes to survey the scale of the destruction, the former children's playground has become something of a gathering place. Making use of the collapsed pylons, villagers are hanging up their soaked bedsheets and clothes on the out-of-commission power lines. Some are collecting fresh water flowing down from the mountains. The only topic of discussion, how strong the floods were on July 31st. You've been listening to The Human Toll of North China's Historic Floods, published in Sixth Tone, written by Yang Taini, read to you by Cliff Larson. Narrator's note, please go to the article to see the massive destruction. Also videos, pictures, and images of the missing, and some of the very rural pictures of this area outside of Beijing.